Hello, everybody. Welcome into Cheesesteaks in the South. Hello, my name is Dylan Count Crowley. He's Austin Mancini. We're back at it today for the first time in a while. It's been maybe two weeks, I guess, Austin, since we last talked. Uh, I have quite a bit to talk about here today, but I'm going to make it a quick show. We have the Flyers hiring John Tortorella. We have the Eagles making a nice uh, depth signing for their secondary. We have the Phillies going on an unbelievable run here to start the month of June. Um I think the last time we talked was right around when Joe Girardi got fired. Yeah, I think uh, they just started that hot streak um, that they obviously, you know, the the wins ended. Uh, Jack Fritz uh, didn't have to run 10 miles. I don't think he he got the nine. But, uh, yeah, they – they listen, they've won, I think it's what, like 15 in the last 17 or 15 in the last 18, something like that. Um, And we – They lost three games all – Three games all the month. They've lost three games all month. Yeah, we. I mean, we could even start there. The, the Phillies, um, they just took four of five from the Nationals, which I know everyone would have loved to see them take all five from the Nats. But not going to complain. They, no, and they're they're now eight and a half back on the Mets, only two and a half back for the wild card. I mean, Dylan, that ended up being a huge series. I know they play the Padres coming up after they quick play the Rangers. And they also play the Braves, so they got a huge week, two weeks oh, coming yeah. up. I mean, and they played the, I think the Cardinals maybe before they play the Braves too. I mean, this this is a stretch uh, coming out. It's I big. Mean, I know, I know, we had on top of our list that we we're going to talk about uh, the Eagles signing Jakarski Tart, but it didn't flow. Uh, it didn't flow uh, in here in the beginning. So let's we'll, we'll just rearrange here with the Phillies quickly and get it out of the way. Um, but with the Phillies, you know, they, they what it was 16 of 19, I think, to start the month. They coming out of that bad June where they won, I think, sorry, bad May, where they won all of 10 games. Uh, they're what eight games below 500 at one point. Yeah. Um, Fire yeah. Girardi, and you're wondering what's the future of the franchise? What's the future of this team? Um, and now just two and a half weeks later, we're looking at it. And like you said, they're, they're, they made some move in the division. They're still eight and a half. I, I'm not sure if the Mets won today, but they're still eight and a half, nine games out of the division as of right now. Um, but they're only two and a half games out of the wild card, like you said, which is just crazy to think of how this team went from uh, being fully out of it, basically, and needing a prayer to – I mean, I don't know if they're going to catch the Mets, but if you can stay within, I would say, four and a half games at most of the wild card the rest of the season, sure, there may be a, there may be a time where they maybe dip to five, five and a half. But if you can stay within four and a half for most of the season, go into August and September around there at the worst, I feel, I, I feel good about the potential of this team. I mean, just – unbelievable run and they've won four of the last five like said against the nationals and two and a half of those games were without bryce harbour because it was blister blisters on his hand hopefully he's back for this ranger series um but yeah from where they weren't made to now what they've done the last couple weeks now albeit against some of the lesser teams of the nl just has been incredible but now we'll get the real test we'll see if this Philly's team is for real. I don't expect them to win. I don't know what 16 and 19 is a win percentage wise. Uh, let me check it out here. Uh, 
84%. I don't expect right. him to win 84, 84% of the games the remainder of this month against the Rangers, the Padres, uh, Cardinals, and Braves. But if you can, I think if you can uh, definitely get through this stretch above 500 in those games and further your mm-hmm. overall record above 500, I think uh, that would be a promising sign and a great success as you head into uh, July. Cause uh, we went from not knowing if they're going to be buyers or sellers, sellers to they're most definitely now going to be buyers come next month. Yeah. They are two and a half back from the Padres in this wild card. Manny Machado. So that's did, a big series, a big yeah, series. And Manny Machado did injure his ankle. Yep, I'm, I don't know the extent of it, but I mean, it didn't look, good i mean he immediately was on the ground um you know hopefully he's okay but it's you know the timing of it for the phillies is is kind of impeccable um there is you know obviously some concerns i mean they're they're batting with people in scoring position has been a little frustrating yeah i mean especially i mean the player that comes to mind um is JT. I mean, he is struggling. I think they need to just let him sit for a sec. He's played the most games out of any position player in the MLB. Um, I mean, I get he's, you know, your catcher. He, you want him out there 90% of the time. But, yeah. I mean, the dude's struggling at the plate. And, I mean, maybe the guy just needs a day off. Because, I mean, there was, I think, twice where he was up with bases either loaded or it's, men in scoring position, and it was ground into a double play. I literally – I remember I sat there. I think I was sitting there with my dad, and I said he's starting – and I go, this is a double play. And sure enough, he hits it to the shortstop easy. And I think he beat the – he did beat the throw on the one because um, the Phillies challenged it. But either way, it was a typical – double play ball yeah i'm actually pulling up the team batting splits and jt's batting splits right now um so jt uh this season let's uh just go to runners and scoring position um jt this year with runners and scoring position he's had 58 at bats 65 plate appearances he has 19 rbis he's batting 224 with an on-base percentage of 220 uh, sorry 277 and he's grounded to three double plays um yeah, I mean, it feels like – and he's only grounded into four double plays all year. It feels like it's at least twice that. But yeah. as my friend Clay – shout out to Clay, a good friend. Uh, said, I mean, he's just – I I at the plate over the last couple of weeks, he's just not been a major league catcher. He I, – I don't know what it is. Last season, you had the injuries as an excuse of why he wasn't hitting. But now, like, it's almost like he's, yeah, it's almost like he's trying to do too much, you know, like he knows that he's getting paid to do it and he's just overthinking it. Yeah. And, uh, and I just don't know how long, much longer you can put him at, at the part of the order that you've been putting him in because it's not paying off at all. I mean, 224 with the bases loaded, sorry, bases loaded, with runners in scoring position is just absolutely terrible. And when you look at bases loaded, which is he's had 13 plate appearances this year, he's batting 167 with with seven RBIs. Now, I mean, I don't think you can look at the RBIs and be like, that's that's fine, makes everything else fine. I mean, if you're hitting, if you're hitting 134, which let's see how many hits he has. 
He has two hits in 13 play periods. I mean, just it, it can't he, – he can't be yeah. this bad going forward if he, won, if he wants to continue catching on the base he is. I mean, Garrett Stubbs has shown plenty, in my opinion, to warrant – I'm not saying start him over JT. Yeah. Because <laughs> – when if JT ever does get hot this year, he he will go on a nice tear and will help. I mean, this offense will be even more deadly. But Garrett Stubbs has done plenty, in my opinion, to warrant getting maybe upwards of two starts a week. At least, I mean, I think he has to start at least more than once a week. And I think two starts a week it would probably be fair until JT starts hitting. But if you want to talk about the team as a whole, I mean – Runners in scoring position this year, they're bad. And uh, let's see right here, 255, 16 home runs, uh, 213 RBIs, which, I mean, isn't bad. Uh, it, 255 isn't terrible, but it. I think the point is, is they're so streaky when it comes to runners in scoring position. Yeah. They'll be game, they'll be weeks, days, games, where they just, so I should say series, uh, just go off and everybody who's in scoring position scores. And then there's other series where they will not drive in a single runner uh, from third. I mean, and it almost came back to bite them. But, I mean, what stands out from this past series is when they were facing the Nationals, I think, Friday night, got the bases loaded with no outs and failed to score yeah. a single run. I mean, yeah, that, that I mean, cannot happen. they had to hard their order at that point. Yeah, yeah they have to – they definitely have to fix – that the special i mean you know it's gonna kill them when they're playing good teams if you're not gonna score the runs that are being given to you you know especially i think what it was zero outs bases loaded at one point i mean you can't yeah. strand people you just can't especially like that so and oh, and, and oh here's the best stat about sorry about no you're good about when their uh, bases are loaded with no outs. Uh, the Phillies have had uh, 10 at-bats this year, 11 plate appearances with no men out, bases loaded. Do you know how many hits they have this year in that situation? I'll go two. I'll two. The Phillies have zero hits in that situation this year. They have yet to score. They, 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 they have four runs scored in those situations and two RBIs. Um but no hits, and they've struck out six times. And those, I mean, that just cannot happen. And this team is going to make a serious playoff push, just cannot. And while JT has to step up his game, um, Nick Castellanos has to step up his game. I mean, he isn't helping you in the outfield, so he has to start offsetting that outfield uh, play with better at bats. I don't know if this is a thing where. He's so concerned about his play in the outfield that's taken away from his abilities at the plate, but he has to figure out it figured out sooner or later because I mean it just he he's had four bats with the bases this year. He has uh one RBI and has yet to report yeah. him. I mean um, we we knew and, going into this that he wasn't a good fielder, you know, same yeah. with Schwarber. So and, and, and Harper getting hurt has right, made that situation. That, I was going to say, Bryce Harper, the fact that he's not playing is definitely hurting. Well, not fielding is definitely hurting that because it's exposing 
Castellanos out there. And I mean, honestly, I'm kind of shocked Schwarber hasn't been exposed as much, but um, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to have to figure this out. Yeah. So my, 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 my one quick thing is the last few days with Harper out of the lineup, if Harper's out of the lineup, Castiano should automatically go into that DH spot unless JT needs to sit. Cause I mean, yesterday they had Castellanos in right field and they had Matt Virlin in left field. I mean, yeah. right now, if I'm taking Castellanos in right field or Schwarber in left field, I'm, I'm taking Schwarber in left field and Matt Virlin is going into right field. I mean, I just don't understand. And if you want Schwarber to DH, that's fine. Then put Castellanos in left field right. where he's less likely to get exposed or it's less likely to hurt you and put Matt Vreeland, who's a much better fielder with speed in right field. I just, yeah. it's something if you're now, before we move on from the fillers, I want to share one of my favorite stats this year. Um, Bryce Harper uh, was an MVP last year. If he wasn't going to be a full-time DH this year, he would be a front runner to win MVP again. He still is going to be a top five MVP vote getter. Yeah. Uh, but with runners in scoring position this year, Bryce is hitting 370 with uh, an on-base percentage of 433, which is just, I mean, absolutely ridiculous. Of I mean, he was given um, he was given a blessing in disguise in that uh, strike. Uh, that ball called strike uh, a couple yeah, of nights I mean, ago, you know, I mean, he was angry about it. And then <laughs> just, I don't know what Finnegan was thinking, leaving that pitch or I, I obviously he didn't mean to leave it over the plate, but why give him anything to hit? That? I mean, that pitch should have never happened. It shouldn't, I, it shouldn't. The, the, the umpire screwed the, the nationals that game. And uh, to, to just go off Harper one more time, how clutch he's been this year. Uh, in games that are late and close, which I don't know how baseball reference defines late and close, he's hitting 323 with a 421 on base percentage. And then perhaps the, the stat that shows really how clutch you are runners in scoring position, two outs, 18 at bats, eight hits, four doubles, two home runs, 17 RBIs, five walks to two strikeouts. That's a 444. Bad average of 583 on base percentage and an OPS over 1500 with two outs and runners in scoring position. I mean, that is he is one of the most clutch players we have seen in a long time in Philadelphia in any sport. I mean, he really does thrive for the big moments, and it's just, yeah, I, I he, he's just such a joy to watch. And I mean, I, I really hope. It's easy to take these things for granted when we're living during them. So I, I just hope that a lot of people are appreciating what we're seeing out of Bryce Harper over the last year and a half, because I mean, I think the only players who have gone on runs like this for the Phillies are probably Schmidt and Howard, of course. Uh, but yeah, just insane. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, even Utley, Utley was never, you know, at this caliber, but no, never this caliber for this consistent right. of a time. Because I mean, this has been Harper since he took that pitch off the face last May. Well, he, you know, he came back, went on uh, IL for two weeks. After that, this is who he's been. It's just been incredible. Just a totally different player. Uh, 
than he was uh, before that, it, it seems. All right, you ready to move on to the Eagles? Yeah, let's go for it. All right, let's move on to the Eagles, where they, like we said, they signed uh, safety uh, Joukowsky Tart to a one-year deal. Uh, do, you, do you know how much money that is uh, for his deal? Uh, no, but, uh, I'm assuming it's pretty cheap. You know, yeah, I mean, he gets it's very but, late for signing. I'll look yeah, up real quick. Very, go ahead. Very late signing. Veteran safety, seven years in the league, eighty games per season. Do the math. You can already figure out what one of the big knocks on him is, and that's just that he, for his career, cannot stay healthy. He is only, I think, played. I don't think he's ever actually uh, played in uh, a full se- played a full season of games. Uh, he's played 15 games, 15, 9, 8, 12, 7, and 14. Now, you like the fact that he's coming off a 14-game season. But before that, I mean, he played less than 10 games in uh, three of the last four seasons. Not necessarily numbers you like to see. Um, but when he is on the field, he seems to be a productive quality safety Um I've heard the comparison of Anthony Harris, which I thought he did a fine job for the Eagles for what he was paid to do last year. Um, but, I mean, you look at Tart's numbers, uh, four career interceptions, 18 career pass deflections. He had four in 2020 uh, pass deflections, that is, uh, one this past season. Two, uh, 367 career tackles. Uh, just he, He's a guy he kind of – can do a little bit of everything. And uh, this past season, when he was targeted through the air, allowed just 57.6% of his of the passes to be completed, the second best of his career. Um, yeah, I, I think there's I, – I think I like – I mean, it's not a thing. I like this move as a depth yeah. sign. And I, I don't think it's anything to uh, get overly excited about, but I think uh, it could be a nice – move that pays off down the road for them. And knowing the Eagles history with injuries, one, you hope he can stay healthy, but two, they're going to suffer injuries at some point in the secondary, most likely uh, at safety. So again, a guy like him to add to that depth is, is, is going to be key, especially in a season where they, people are now expecting them to go out and be a contender for the NFC East and potentially even uh, further on in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I like the signing. It's obviously it's a cheap signing. He's a veteran with playoff experience. Um, like you yeah. mentioned, he's he played his styles more um like Anthony Harris. He's a short tackle kind of guy. He's not gonna let anything really over his head, but he's not a ball hawk or anything. So if anyone's expecting that, um I'd I'd hedge your bet there. Um for me, what it kind of tells you a little something, I guess, of I mean, Kayvon, Kayvon Wallace, you know, if if Jaquaski Tart makes the team, I mean, that just shoves Kayvon Wallace even farther down the down the depth chart. And either he just can't play, which is a shame because he was a third round pick, or you know, it's just a body for training camp. But I, I mean it's a quality depth signing, like you said, and uh it, it can't hurt. I mean, of all the spots yeah, that they all. needed depth, you know, they got James Bradbury for the secondary or for yep. the corners. I mean, this is just another one, especially for the safeties where it was Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps as your best two safeties going into the year. Yeah. And I think um, it also puts obviously pressure on Kevon Wallace to uh, kind of have a make or break year. Yeah. Make or break year here. 
because uh, he's got more competition that uh, that secondary and safety to battle with. And if he doesn't begin to show something uh, more, I, I think he's a guy that team will could very well move on from uh, sooner than later, uh, especially when there's needs at other positions. And if they like their depth at the position, I, 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 he kind of strikes me as a guy who could be uh, on the way out eventually. But um, yeah, I definitely like the sign. And I, I like all the moves his team has made. I mean, I, I don't know how I feel about everybody being on the Eagles so far and saying that they're going to be a contender this year. Um, I don't know if it's true Super Bowl contender, but, you know, be a, be a contender for the NFC East, which I think they can be. Uh, but I, I think this team is still a little bit unproven. I mean, we're still relying on the fact that Jalen Hurts takes a step forward. Key players like Miles Sanders – and Devontae Smith and um, AJ Brown, AJ Brown, and, and Miles. Uh, I mean, Miles, it's a big year for Miles, yeah, absolutely. And then on the defense, of course, you got Fletcher, even if he plays the limited, more limited role, needs to stay healthy. Brandon Graham, you don't know what you're going to get from him. Uh, talking about staying healthy, Lane Johnson on the offensive side of the ball, Mylon. You're asking a lot of people to stay healthy, and you're asking, uh, a lot of people to have good back-to-back seasons, which uh, is very possible. But, I mean, there's a reason a lot of players struggle having strong back-to-back seasons. Um, But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to the quarterback. If Jalen Hurts takes that step forward, I think the offense has a great chance to be one of the best in the NFL this year. And I think, I mean, it it comes down to Hurts and it comes down to Gannon. the Eagles have basically given Gannon anything he could have asked for this offseason. And if they struggle this year defensively, they're not going to blame the players. They're not going to look at the players. They're going to look at Jonathan Gannon. And they, I think it's a big season for him, obviously, uh, as well, of course, with Jalen. Um, how do you feel about Shane Steichlin officially being the, the official offense coordinator? Um, I mean, I think we kind of knew he was doing it last year. I mean, um, Sirianni kind of hinted at that he was taking a step back last year from calling the plays. And honestly, to me, it that speaks more to Sirianni and him knowing his strengths and weaknesses. You know, he wanted to call plays in the beginning. It wasn't working. So so you see what Shane Steichen can do. And I mean, they it worked. I mean. We'll see because it was very run heavy. So if they can balance it more with Jalen throwing the ball and the progressions, um, it, it'll definitely be interesting. I know the offense, I think people were more happy about um, how it was run yes. in the second half of the year. But also the Eagles did play a lot of easier teams in the second half of the year. So did, it's – it's hard because it's hard to judge, you know, like yeah. it's the same with Gannon because Gannon, he had to deal with the cards he was given and that defense was kind of atrocious. Yeah. At so, times. Um, yeah. Yeah. I will say off topic of that is just, I want Nick Sirianni to, for, for some reason, I just wanted to be, so successful. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. And he you can tell he's just a guy who lives and breathes football. And yeah, 
a lot of people made fun of him for, you know, not being the best at talkers at first, but I think just his passion for football and being in a city that loves football as much as Philadelphia does, he has endeared himself to the fans, like the, the casual fans do, but you're more hardcore fans so much just because you can tell how much he loves this game, how much he lives and breathes and how much he is wanting and working to be successful in this league in Philadelphia. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was, I, I will say yeah. like when Dougie P got fired, I, it was whatever. Um, when Chip got fired, wasn't disappointed. If, if it doesn't work out with Nick Sirianni, I'm going to kind of be disappointed. Yeah. I mean, I like I like I mentioned with the whole you know, knowing his strengths, what like everyone is making fun of him again for not. Oh, you he can't coach, he can't call plays. See, see, he's not a head coach. Well, guess what? Would you rather the guy try to fake it and call plays? And then you're like, why the heck isn't this offense working? Or would you rather a guy who knows how to coach people and has you know high emotional intelligence? and be able to, you know, connect with them, but then give somebody else the opportunity to call plays who does a better job. You know, like yeah. him understanding his role in this team just benefits the team. And, yeah, he might not, you know, be able to talk to the media the way people want. You know, he might go on tangents about flowers or whatever the heck he's talking about, but – the dude knows football, and like you said, he lives and breathes it. And he should be you – know, like, people should want to like him. But that's a – you know, we'll see. This year This year's a big year for, I mean, the coaching staff as a whole and, and the quarterback under center. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You ready to move on to um, uh, the Flyers? The big today? news. Yeah. So John Tortorella. Yeah, let's get a let's get a Flyers. John Tortorella, new head coach of the Flyers. I mean, uh, this is one that felt like the obvious choice. No, not the obvious choice from a fan perspective, but the obvious choice from a Flyers perspective from the get-go. Um, and I mean, honest, we saw I, it months ago. We did. And I, I'll be honest. I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, just like in December, apparently Chuck wanted them, or yeah. or sorry, Flyers organization wanted them. Chuck did not. Um, but I mean, it just screamed the Flyers higher. You know, Barry Trotz was never going to come here. They even offered him seven mil, and he said no. Yeah, I think he wants to go to Winnipeg. Obviously, I mean the I, best the best spot was was Vegas. Bruce Cassidy was hired I, by the Vegas. That, that was the name. As soon as he got fired from the the Bruins, that's who I wanted. But But, um, I mean, I think everyone sniffed Tortorella since day one. Now I will say I was I I didn't want Tortorella. Um, Not because I don't think he's a good. I think he. I think he. I mean, you look at him. He's a. He's probably a borderline Hall of Fame head coach in this league, right? He has a cup, right? I think he has. Yeah, a cup. he has a cup. Yeah, he's he, he, maybe not borderline off it, but he's been a very successful head coach over yeah. his career. 
I mean, he's he took the Rangers to a finals. He took Tampa to the final. Tampa had a nice run there with him. Vancouver didn't work out. Columbus, he had some nice moments there. Didn't work out long term. But as somebody said, uh, I forget who said it. It was in regards to actually when Joe Girardi was getting fired. But when you hire a head coach and you sign a head coach to a contract or when that head coach signs a contract, all you're doing is you're writing a contract for them to eventually be fired. How many coaches in the world actually don't ever end up getting fired? Bruce Cassidy had a did a damn good job in Boston. I got fired for reasons I still don't understand. But I didn't love the John Tortorella sign in the first. I, I still don't know if I think it's the right move. I think the chances are is that it goes well for a year or two, and then it kind of goes backwards maybe. I don't know. Maybe he proves me wrong. But his press conference, I think he we talked about this before going live. He said all the right things, You and he said everything you want to hear out of him. It seems like, and he 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 knows the situation he's stepping into. He yeah. knows this isn't a season, isn't going to be a thing where, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to compete for the Stanley Cup next year. But I, he said all the right things. He didn't promise you, promise the fans anything. He kind of told it how it was, and I'm going to give him a, I'm going to give him a chance, yeah. obviously, but. Uh, he bought me some time with this press conference, which I mean, it's just a press conference. It's whatever. Yeah. Um, you can have a good press conference and end up being a crappy head coach. You can have a bad press conference, end up being a good head coach, a la Nick Sirianni, obviously. But um, yeah, I, I think the success is there to a portion of his career. You have to be worried because he does flame out. He does have a tendency to piss off the wrong people. But at the same time, there's a lot of players out there who love him. Yeah. I and I I think the Flyers need some hard coaching in their in their lives. I mean, he's probably gonna piss the shit out of TK once or twice, but if I mean, TK's not traded. Yeah, if TK's not <laughs> traded, but if there's a player on the team that I think needs hard coaching and tough love at times, I think it's TK. And I think it's Provero. I mean, he may piss them off beyond belief. And it may backfire horribly, but with guys like TK and Provorov, where they're kind of in make or break years, if they're still with this team come next season, I think that that could be needed. And it, yeah. I I don't know if it'll work out, but mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by how it could eventually go. And I mean, at this point, can it get any worse for this franchise? <laughs> No. And I think I think I know where your your reserves are coming from. And like you said, you like like Tortorella is a good coach. And I think that's that's the struggle is no one. I think everyone can agree he's a successful coach. He gets the most out of the teams that he coaches for the most part. I think where the reservation comes from, not just you, not just me, but the fan base is. I mean, where's the talent? You know, there's no talent. And the front office, I don't think people really have faith in the front office. I mean, Chuck Fletcher, we respect the moves he made 
last offseason in Ristolainen and Ellis. The problem was they didn't work. You know, everyone was going to be good with the Ryan Ellis trade, except Ryan Ellis didn't play. And, and so the roster construction is the biggest question mark, you know, and it's almost like even if Tortorella is a good coach, what does it matter if there's no talent on this team? And if he does get the most out of this team, we're going to go back to where we were, which is mediocrity, not, not playoff contention, third round, it'll be maximum second round and you're going to have to bottom out anyway. So I think that's where this whole, I don't know about torts if it's going to work because I think as a whole, the flyer fan base thinks that this is going to get blown up, whether torts turns this team around or not. Yeah. I 100%, 100% agree with you. And I mean, I, I I guess the only the one positive no matter what is he's going to be great for entertainment value. Oh, he he embodies Philadelphia uh, uh, sports. I mean, if you can, if anyone can, go back and look. He literally tried to fight a coach in the hallway <laughs> during a game. You I mean, know, he's like basically tried to fight everybody. <laughs> yeah, like the dude isn't afraid. But um, like you said, with him going, you know, and saying the right things, I'll, I'll give a few quotes. Um, he said, I'm going to coach the team hard right away. It's going to be a very difficult camp, high volume skating. They will be told about this during the summer. We're attacking it. It's not going to be, I guess it's a, it's not going to be, I guess it's a rebuild to retool, whatever language is used. I'm approaching each and every day to try to make each individual player play better as a player, as a person, then as a team trying to get each better each and every day that will take care of the time frame wherever it goes, it goes. I mean, the biggest thing I think takeaway from his press conference was he preached accountability. And while Elaine Vigneault preached it, I think um, there were multiple reports that, while he said it to the media, it wasn't really reciprocated in the locker room. Like, for example, he he would call out Voracek and Giroux, but he wouldn't say it to them in the locker room. He would send Mike Yo to go say it to him. And I think with players, that didn't sit well because the dude's going to sit there and talk to the media and say things, but he can't say it to your face. The difference is Tortorella is going to say it to your face. Yeah, exactly. He, he, uh, he is going to, he is a tell you how it is. Uh, he's not going to bullshit you about if a guy sucks right now, if a guy's playing well, if the team sucks, if the team's playing like shit, so on and so forth. He's just going to tell you how it is and he's not going to sugarcoat it, which I mean, I think, I think in today's age, some athletes need to hear that. I, I, I do think athletes in today's age are a little coddled at times and, I, I think they need to hear that. So definitely, um, definitely. Um, a positive, I would say, on that note for me. So, yeah, I mean, other than that, anything else you want to talk about? No, I mean, I, I the one last thing I, I like from his press conference is he did say, you know, he wants to get Carter Hart more uh, support in front of him. And yeah. I mean, 
I know like there's been mixed reviews from players. You know, I mean, players outspokenly have been on Twitter yes. about Tortorella, but from what it seems for the most part, players do genuinely like him, which yeah. is a positive. It, it seems like it's really one on the spectrum of the other is not very many in between guys. Either you love him or you, <laughs> you hate him. Cam yeah. Atkinson loves him. Um, was it Dubinsky who recently tweeted I out? Th- yeah, it was someone like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dubinsky. But yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's definitely, Fan people out there who don't like him who question his coaching, um, his coaching strategies and decision making at times and his motivation behind some decisions. Um, but yeah, I think it, like I said, I don't think the Flyers can get really much worse than they are now. Um, and it'll be something to watch going forward. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? All right. Well, I I think I read his lips. He says uh, he's good. Cut out audio on my end. But uh, with that, thank you for listening to an episode of Cheesesteaks in the Seven Hundred Level. My name is Don't Count Crowley. He's Austin Mancini. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at in the Seven Hundred. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, um, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you can find it. Uh, and if you are able to leave a review and a like or a rating, please do so as well. We'll talk to you guys soon. Hopefully next time we talk to you, the Phillies will continue their winning ways. Um, We'd be one week closer to the football season. I mean, I think training camp is only about four and a half, five weeks away. Yeah. A month away or so. And the the volume voice (laughs) is back. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, football's right around the corner. Um, the NHL draft is right around the corner. NBA draft is right around the corner. I loved seeing the Celtics lose in the finals. I loved seeing the Rangers lose in the Eastern Conference finals. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to it all, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you.